The content of this podcast, Swingin' It, is for informational and entertainment purposes only. The content discussed is not intended for investment advice nor a recommendation. Investing in any stock, security, bond, ETF, option contracts, or futures has substantial risk of loss. Chris McBride and John Burrell are not certified financial or investment advisors, nor are they registered brokers. By listening to this podcast, you acknowledge that neither Chris McBride or John Burrell will be held responsible for any loss that you may occur from acting on the topic or discussion in this podcast. These topics are not meant for recommendation. Chris McBride and John Burrell may hold positions in securities discussed in this podcast. to those and if you haven't um interacted with the people that we had on the show or followed them or did something for them be sure to do that so we can continue having people on the show because people won't want to come on if they're not getting any you know benefit really from coming on so definitely be sure to follow subscribe whatever you need to do to them but give them some kind of love um i'm here in blacksburg or i guess christiansburg pouring the rain outside john what about in um, north carolina how's it uh, it's been hot. I actually went and played a little basketball. Got a little sunburn. Mowed a little bit of grass. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a scorcher down here. Yeah, it's been hot. It's been sunny um, all week. It's just started pouring the rain. I think it's going to rain all week. I think there's a, a hurricane. I think they actually evacuated the Outer Banks. Yeah, I, we're supposed to get some water from that, but we haven't yet. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. All right, but with that, we'll jump right into it. We're going to continue with right into our educational segment. And um, it's been a few weeks since we, we've done this. So I'll, I'll recap what we talked about so far. We're in our option series. So thus far, we talked about what a call and a put is. Um, we talked, to, and then we kind of jumped into, you know, the, the Greeks. We've talked about Delta. We talked about Vega. Uh, we talked about Theta. Is there anything else we've covered? And with the Vega, we covered on um, implied volatility with options. Is there anything else that we covered in options thus far, John? Uh, we, uh, as far as terms, uh, we covered like what spreads were, but as far as Greek. Oh yeah, we did a spread. Yeah, so yeah we, we did spreads and I think we, we covered puts and um, yeah, I think, I think that's everything that we've covered. Yeah, the, the one I missed was spreads. So it's calls and puts, spreads, and then delta, theta, vega. We're going to continue with the, um, the Greek letters tonight, and John's going to tell us all about beta. Yeah, so beta is basically the risk that's associated with, the, with your exposure to the market. So a beta on a certain security is basically telling you your risk relative to the broad market or the underlying. So if you're um, looking at an option, so a lot of these terms, uh, they can be very similar or connected. Um, so for example, if you have beta, you generally, if you're creating beta, you generally are making money as the market goes higher because normally most people make money when markets go higher because they're either long-term investors or, you know, most people aren't short sellers. So beta is, is really when you're going along with everything else. Alpha is the reverse of that. So beta and alpha are the yin and the yang type. So when you make money and everybody else loses, loses you're creating alpha, kind of like alpha dog. You're on the, 
you're against the masses or you're on top versus the masses. So your beta is your exposure to the broad market or, or whatever. If you're looking at a derivative, then it, it, you'll look, you'll see the beta of that underlying, like how it's related to it. Um, but a lot of times you'll hear people say, and we can cover this too, because they all kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, do beta and alpha. Yeah, yeah. So uh, alpha is basically when you are making money when the majority of people aren't, and beta is when you're making money when everybody else is. So a lot of people create beta, but the the people that can do beta and alpha, they're the you're they're the portfolio or the managers or the hedge funds that outdo everybody and, and they do that by creating alpha. And then there's another term that's beta weighted deltas that we can go ahead and cover because we've covered deltas. So basically delta is your directional risk and your beta weighted delta is your risk to the overall market. And the beta weighted deltas is your directional risk to the market. So in, in really, I'm not. Sh I'm not sure. I'm kind of going on a stretch on this, but instead they call it beta weighted deltas, and the delta can be negative or positive. But really, it would be like if your delta is negative, it would really be like an alpha uh, deltas. But but they keep it. They just use one term, so it's like your beta weighted deltas. So your exposure to the broad market, like what your portfolio's correlation. You can kind of think of it as like correlation. So if you have a bunch of different underlyings the sum of their correlation to the market is their beta. And then, all right, is your sum of all of the, the pieces in your portfolio, are they negatively correlated to the market or are they positively correlated to the market? So really beta is kind of like how you assess correlation. Are you gonna be uh, along with the market or are you gonna be more on the other side of the market? And that's kind of, that's what the beta weighted deltas do. So you can have, say you're long a bunch of individual things, whether it be commodities, gold, um, any other precious metals or stocks or anything like that. So all the individual positions that you have, you could be bullish on those individual positions, but you may be bearish on the stock market. Well, you need to look at your correlation to the stock market because a little bit of correlation from each piece of your portfolio adds up to an accumulative beta and that's weighted to the broad market. So you want to make sure that even though you might have little positions on and those are your assumptions for each position, you want to make sure that your overall portfolio is weighted correctly to your assumption as well. And that's, you basically take the accumulative beta from or correlation from your portfolio, and you weight that to your delta exposure, whether it be positive or negative to the overall market. So the recap on that for regular folks, beta is basically what you get when you're going the same way the market's moving. Hence, the market's going up, you're playing bullish, that means beta, but it could be the opposite of that, of that too. If it's going down and you're playing bearish, that's also beta. And then the opposite is if you're going the opposite way, it would be alpha. And John made a point there about the people who do the best collect beta and alpha, which is an obvious thing. That means if they're collecting beta and alpha, that means they're individually getting each one of their things correct. So like they may, think one position's going with the market, one's going opposite. That means they're getting basically all their assumptions, all their picks correct. Doesn't matter which way they go and which everyone should strive to be, um, really. You hear people saying bullish or bearish. Throw them terms out the window. You don't really have to be that. Be which whatever position you're looking at. So if you're looking at Penn National and you think it's going up, be bullish. But if you're looking at say MGM and you think it's going to go down, be bearish on that. You don't have to be up on every single one just because. Um, and John kind of moved on from an individual position, which each one of these you basically look at individually and in your whole portfolio, you add up. he kind of jumped to your entire portfolio and he kind of, there's a point there and I want to say something about the point that um, make sure that your portfolio matches 
your assumption of the market. So if you think the market's going down, add up all your positions and make sure that you're actually bearish from that. I would look at that a little different. I would play each of your positions as however you want to play them, whether you think they're up, think they're down. And then in your head, you may think that you're actually bearish, but if you play your positions right and think they're, I mean, individually and you think you picked the correct way and you add them up and it's the opposite of that, well, then maybe you're really not bearish. I mean, you, so sometimes Matt, in your head, you think something, but in reality, it's not. So I wouldn't necessarily say change some of your picks because they don't add up to be what you thought they yeah, should be. Yeah, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say change your picks. You can keep your picks the same, but what you, the whole thing is just having awareness that all your individual picks end up being correlated to a different assumption that your portfolio that you have on the market. So I'll give you an example. Say you thought all companies are shit and that we're going into a recession and we're going to stay in a recession and the stock market is going to decline. And you say, I'm not buying any stock, but I am going to, I'm going to do it. John say, and just for example, I'm going to buy commodities and all you buy is commodities because you think companies are shit. But what you don't know is, is even though you are buying commodities that are not equities, all your accumulative beta weighted delta in your portfolio could have you long the S&P 500, which you, and so all these things that you learn, you need to be aware of because it could, you could be thinking that you're doing one thing and end up getting killed in the market sell off. And you're like, why, why am I losing money? I knew the stock market was going to fall, but I'm long commodities. What's going on? And so all these things is really just to keep in mind that, Hey, I might have too much beta weighted deltas, so maybe I want to sell, or maybe I want to I want to buy some SPXS, or maybe I want to hedge my position a little bit so I don't have this broad exposure to the market, but I can still keep my commodity exposure. For that example, basically, John's saying don't have too many picks on one side. I think is basically what you're saying. So, like, even though you're playing commodities, if you buy one or two, it may work out, but say you buy five of them, now all of a sudden you're, it's not actually in your favor at all. Um, going back to the actual numbers, John, we kind of talked about what they are. How are the beta and alpha read? Like how can someone look and see their beta and alpha? What are the numbers? So you know delta at the money, delta option we've talked as far as normally like a 50, which means if it moves $1, you make $50 or lose $50 whatever um how is the beta and alpha read so like if someone's looking for what is it are they looking at decimal number are they looking at a percentage what are we looking at yeah so you are looking so with the the beta weighted delta is what i think the most important is uh number to look at and different platforms either would have it or you might have to look for it but in Tastyworks, um, they let you customize your, your settings a little bit. And I got mine at the top. And so let me see if I can pull, I'll pull this up real quick on the screen and then we'll also say it out loud so everyone uh, can, can see it here. Give me just a second. I'll let you go ahead and say something. Well, John's going up and then, again, I think that's kind of how what people look at the beta weighted delta because you're actually comparing yourself to the market rather than just, you know, I guess both all of them kind of correlated to the market, but the beta is kind of correlated, beta weighted delta is kind of correlated to the amount of movement you actually have. Yes. Yeah, so if, so this is the, um, this is the deep pump funds, um, uh, I haven't done a lot in there. We're actually down from our highest high, but we're still up a few bucks. Um, so if you look at, uh, you know, these are my short positions. I'm currently only short in this portfolio right now. Um, the delta here, and then you see this, this is your beta. So your beta weighted, this is beta weighted and then delta. So this right here is negative four. So what that means is, this beta weighted delta is weighted to the S&P 500. That's like kind of like a default that I think everyone should, should go for because that's the one that I think is a really good basis for like what the, what the total market's doing. So 
or the total equity market's doing rather, and it's a benchmark for a lot of places. But this negative four equals how many shares short I am of SPY. So basically what that means, how many, what do you actually have for the position? So for the, for one position, I'm short the 329, 330 credit cost spread in SBY, and I'm short um, the financial sector. Well, the, we're talking about SPY right now, so the minus. Well, no, because see, this is, uh, it's all your positions. I, I understand that, but I, I was just trying to see your, I was trying to make a comparison to your actual SPY. Yeah, so, so the way to look at this is like, it's everything, everything that's in your portfolio, how it weights relative to the S&P 500. So both of these positions here is equivalent of having four negative or like selling four shares of the SPY stock. So it would be like four times the 326. That's right. Basically how much money you're short. Right, right now of the S&P 500, yeah. In this okay. portfolio. And uh, like John said, you hear beta weight and delta. If that was positive, that would be just technically beta weight and alpha, right? But it would show up as beta weight and delta. Yeah, they just, they just keep this, you know, they just keep it the same. So most people are along the S&P 500 just in like retirement and stuff. So if, if I end up making money off of that, I'm creating alpha, which is, ba you know, they just keep the terms the same. Uh, basically, if the market goes up and you make money, you're making uh, beta uh, because most people are making beta and risk is really associated with the masses, what the masses is doing, but you, they just keep it beta weighted deltas. Um, and then if you see, we'll kind of like, We'll just go over this real quick. So it also shows your theta. Your what is this? We're on a podcast. What is it? I said we're on a podcast. You got to say what this is. Yeah, I said the delta, the theta, the gamma, okay. the vega. So like in this one, I'm equivalent of one theta. So basically for every day that goes by, I should theoretically collect $1. Okay. And, and we haven't went over gamma yet, so leave that one alone. Yeah. So, and, 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 and we, you know, we discussed Vega as well. So, um, so that's negative one, uh, which basically means, so you're looking at your implied volatility. Um, if implied volatility goes higher, um, that would actually be a good thing for me. Yeah, because the market's going down normally if the volatility goes up. Yeah. So, yeah, and this is kind of a, it's, it's really good just to keep in mind because like I said, if you say you didn't like the stock market and you only had commodities, but all your, um, your correlations and your, all the betas from all the different positions add up to a positive number, but you only like commodities, well, you might need to hedge a little bit. Yeah. So in case it goes the other way. Right. But, um, uh, John, check me if I'm wrong, but the other reason about the beta weight delta, and you kind of made the point, um, most people, you said it, most people are collecting beta. If you're collecting alpha, that's probably more of a short-term approach, correct? Because, I mean, in general, the market goes up year to year. So if, if someone says they're collecting alpha, they're probably not playing five years from now. Right. Uh, I mean, I guess individual and the individual company, if you thought they were failing, you could be collecting alpha way out. But as a whole in your portfolio, you're not five year outlook, you're not probably not collecting alpha. Yeah, so I'll give you an example. So there was a huge short position in Tesla. And so all the people that was long Tesla was actually making alpha because they were net short position on tesla so as tesla continued to go higher and the the people that were short they were having to buy back in to cover their positions and so it helped the price go higher and, every, and as long as there's a, a net short position which means there's more people short on tesla and tesla continues to rise you're creating alpha because most people aren't riding up so it can go both ways 
Um, so it's just, you know, it's, it's not really that important when it comes to what everybody else is doing. It's, it, what's really important is the understanding beta so you can understand beta weighted delta so you can understand exactly what's going on in your portfolio. Basically, and some people may not even use this at all. If you're trading on really short-term conditions, you may not even use um, This is a way for people to see how their entire portfolio stacks up in general because you don't want your portfolio to be very one-sided. You want to be able to normally, especially if you're looking at longer term, you want it to be balanced a little bit. So whatever happens, you still make money. So if you know you're way, way... Um, bullish on your whole portfolio and the market goes down, you basically lose a lot of money. Whereas you can hedge a little bit and even though you may lose money, you may not lose as much basically. So yeah, and, and something else is, is the equip, I'm actually equivalently short more shares than the money in that pump of fund actually has. And most people would look at that and be like, oh, you're too leveraged. But because I'm using credit call spreads, I'm only risking $200, but still yet I have the ability to make as much money, then there's actual money that's in my account. Like if you just- We've talked about that on options. That's a reason um, younger investors or people playing with a little bit less money a lot are playing options because, I mean, you can make more money. There's, I think, inherently more risk because you got a time frame normally. Right. But um, if you, you know, if you were playing with uh, $150,000, you probably wouldn't be buying that many options. You'd probably buy the shares. Yeah, or you could sell the options if you have the, if you have the capital to do so. Yeah, or you can sell the options. So that's, that's the way people, the bigger investors may play options probably, I would guess, more on the selling of the option side rather than buying the options. Because they can, if they want, if they thought the price was going to go up, they can just buy the shares and it'd be less risk. Um, but that's our educational segment for tonight. I guess um, Thursday episode, we'll talk about gamma since we ain't talked about that one. We'll go ahead and cover gamma. And then there's probably a couple others, but a lot of people don't pay attention. I know there's row, which, you know, it's hit or miss on whether people look at those or not. There's actually a Twitter account called um, Trading Alpha, and if you look if you look in the hashtag stock market in the search, there'll be like each day there'll be like 20 posts in a row of them just analyzing like 20, 50 different stocks, and they just wow. like analyze and put out their analysis on each stock. But that's I mean, it's, sometimes it's kind of cool. I see these certain ones on there, but yeah. And for and just for, so everyone knows, um, so we gave you the information. Now, in like practical sense, the thing that I look at the most in this order is when I'm looking at options, I look at the delta. That's the number one thing I look at. That's how I determine my strike price. And then after I look at my delta, then I look at uh, my overall, you know, I look how that position, if I put it on, how it changes my beta weighted delta. And those are the two things that I look. It's basically, I'm looking at my directional risk, and then I'm looking at a per position, then I'm looking at it at my whole portfolio. And then I also, then the third thing is theta. That's what I look at. I usually don't look at Vega or because, you, you know, with your assumptions, you're just trying to reduce your risk and be right. Whether that's, um, you're trying to play neutral and be right, or you're trying to be long or short, you know, you want to create a, you don't want to just be flat across the board. And so really you just need to pay attention to your Delta, your beta weighted Delta and your theta. You need to keep in mind the other things and they're good to know and they're good tools. And the more you learn, the better off you are. But for me, that's the things that I look at. So take it for what you will. Yeah. And, that, and that's just some um, one strategy. I think, uh, there's probably more option strategies than there are regular strategies, I would assume, because you can trade so many different things. So John just said the first thing he looks at is Delta. We had Ivana Placo from Options Universe, and she would tell you Theta was the most important thing. And then John said he doesn't look at Vega, but you can also look at Vega to see if the price of the option's too high. So we discussed that for a second. But so Vega could just tell you whether you're – 
think you're going to be right or wrong or not. It can tell you whether that's even worth risk and that it could be the premium's too high that even if you go up, you may make some money, but why even buy that? You can get something better for cheaper. Yeah, and as far as Vega goes, I look at the implied volatility uh, more than I actually look at the Vega number. I mean, they're so hand-in-hand. Um, I think the uh, implied volatility itself and its rank is maybe – I kind of lean more that way than the actual yeah, Vega. But they're well, handy. We didn't really explain it that well on the show, but I, I told you how you can use Vega to actually see if the price is competitive or not. So you can technically yeah. use Vega to do that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that's, uh, that's all the educational stuff tonight. Let's move on to some more fun stuff. John, how was the market last week? Tell us a little about what the market was. Yeah, so we week. had on um, Monday, the S&P opened at 32.19.84, so $3,219.84. It closed at 32 $71.12, $3,271.12. Uh, volatility, uh, we're looking at the VIX when we say volatility. It started the week at $26.60. It ended at $24.46. So it went down by a couple points. Uh, the US dollar, which is something I think more people need to look at when looking at the markets, especially now and all their printing of money. Uh, the dollar opened on Monday at $94.00 and 35 cents and it closed at $93.46 so it was down on the week as well. Gold is ripping to the upside. It started the you week. You keep saying Monday on both. Are you selling one price on Monday and one price on Friday? Yeah, I'm, ta- I'm talking about the week the week of trade. Yeah, so, so you, would, you were saying open Monday, closed Monday. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So the first thing I thought you were about to go through every single one of the days. No, no, my my, my fault. No, it's the opening job. price. It's the opening price on Monday and closing yeah. price on Friday for the week. Um, and then we had gold at one thousand nine hundred and one dollars and twenty cents, and it closed at one thousand nine hundred and seventy-three dollars and thirty cents. So a really big move in gold this week. And it was all the, – the gold move was all one day. It actually went – I forget what day it was. It may have been Wednesday, maybe Tuesday. One day it shot way, way up. I think it actually went down further after that. That's not the highest. It was literally one day it skyrocketed up. Yeah, so it was a good week for gold. Uh, the SPY, go back to the SPY, or the SP, S&P 500, I mean. So the S&P 500 opened on Monday at $3,219.84. It closed on Friday at $3,271.12. So it was up around a lot. 60, yeah, $50, $60. And um, that may be odd people. And that's kind of the hard thing when we're looking at market performance on like just from open Monday to close Friday. For me and John doing this earn to trade mini gauntlet, I was into the futures hard last week because I was actually working from home so I could have my screen up as well. And um, I can tell you that shoot up on Friday, that was in like the last 15 minutes of the day. I mean, it, it was probably actually at the 32.40 area, 32.39. It literally shot up that much. SPY, I think, shot up $2 literally in like the last 15 or 20 minutes. It was ridiculous. Yeah, and the uh... – blurred the fact that if you looked at the futures during the week, I think they were like most days, I think if you looked at them, it said they were down. But because of the move at the end of the days, sometimes they finish up. But it was all, know that that was all at one time that they were steadily kind of down and then shot up. But it was a great week for trading futures, especially if you were scalping because they were, I mean, just on Friday, John's talking about it being in the, you know, 3271 or something. Is that what you said? Uh, yeah, 3271 is with the S&T. So 3271, I mean, at, at one point I was buying um, contracts for it to go up at like 3215, and I was selling contracts at like 3240s. And so it, it was all up and down all day, basically. So it was yeah. a week for trading futures if you're scalping. Yeah, and um, right now the market is at uh, it's uh, it's at well it's actually down it's uh, thirty two sixty five fifty. 
Oh, okay. 32.65.50. Yeah, so it's currently, uh, currently these, down a little bit. When John's saying the, um, these future prices, um, these are the September 30th, the one month ES, basically the one month future in the S&P 500. Yeah, so it must have just went down because on my phone as of 8.17, it has 0.01%. So basically 32, do you say 32.65? 32.65.50 as right. Yeah, so that's basically, so it's basically even. I wouldn't yeah. say. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not down, but it's down about a quarter of a percent. Yeah, if you're looking at it as like um, what you're trading or how tomorrow's doing, that would be even. That basically where the futures are at would have zero, probably zero effect on the stocks right now. Yeah, it's not a big move. Um, but then something I want to uh, slightly go over, I got a little bit of a outlook for the week ahead. Um, I have, you know, I'll be looking at going long volatility when the VIX gets to 23.13. Again, it closed at 24.46. So I'm looking for it to drop another, about a point and a half on the VIX. And then I'll be looking to, um, to look for strategies to go long volatility. The ES, I'm looking, if it gets about 30, uh, 300, um, to be more specific, about 3,298 or so, if it gets to that range, I think that's gonna be a really good place to short. Um, and the Euro dollar future, um, I'm looking for it to go uh, about one dot, 19 and then I look for a reversal uh, of the dollar. I look for dollars to go up this week. So we'll see what yeah, happens. Yeah, most people aren't really going to look at any of that. So <laughs> it'd be hard to keep up. I mean, we're trading the futures for this challenge thing. So we're looking at the prices a, a little bit more in depth. But um, for the week, uh, it's another one in weeks. I have no clue what's going to happen. Could be up, could be down. Probably, probably will be flat. There'll probably be up days, down days, and finish similar to last week, if I had to guess. I mean, I, I look for there to be some down because it shot up so much at once on Friday. So at some point, I look for it to come down some, probably to back into the same range it was trading all day on Friday, and that's at 32.30, 32.40 range. I look for it to be there trading some more. And then what a um, uh, let's see, we haven't went over the buy, sell, and hold yet, have we? No, we're about to do that now. If you're done with the market outlook, yep. All right, so we'll move on to our buy, sell, and watch segment. Um, and if you're new to the show, this is where me and John both pick a stock we like, a stock we dislike for the week. We look at the Monday's opening price and Friday's closing price. Is the only two prices that matter for your buy stock. It has to go up to even count. For your sell, it has to go down for it to even count. Whoever goes up more or down more gets a point. And um, the stocks have to be under $50 because this is a show for regular folks. And then our, our quarter one competition will end in like three weeks, it'll be the, um, do you want to do, John, I'll let you pick. Do you want to do Monday 17th or Monday 24th? Um, we're kind of off on our quarters. Not really. There's going to be Q2. There'll be Q2 earnings still going on about that. Our quarters, by the way, while we're talking quarters, it was three months from where we started the show is when what I know. Oh, I got you. So that's three months that had nothing to do with people saying Q2 or Q1. It has to do. We can switch the way I'm looking at it, John. We can pick a date there and do the first one, and then maybe do the next one all the way through the end of the year, and then on the very first day go actual quarter to quarter. Okay, that sounds good. Or we can extend this one and kind of meet in the middle somewhere in like September, so the next thing isn't so long. So that's fine. Which I one mean, do you either do? Well, send it in stone right now. What do you want to do? Do you want to add another month to this competition? Well, let's, what about let's go until the beginning of the fourth quarter, and then we'll just start on. on uh, well, then we're going to have a really long. That's that's the same thing, but opposite. We either need the, you know. We should split the difference probably. All right. So we start we started in May. That would be June, July, August is three months. 
September's four months, and then that would be October, November, December. We could end at September 1st. September, well, August, all right, that's the answer. August 31st is when we're going over who won the quarter one. That's the first Monday of that week. So August 31st is the end of the competition. The score currently is six to five. I've been doing terrible. John has slowly crept back. I haven't got a point in a minute. Not getting one this week. I've already cheated and looked at the prices. Not getting one. Um, and really, I'm not, the, it's, it's kind of irritating because I really have picked things correctly, but the last day of weeks has like, and that, that again, it's all, that's why this is hard because you got to pick what opens on Monday and closes on Friday. Sometimes that Friday has really killed some of my picks. So I would have been really good if it ended on Thursday, basically, for the last couple of weeks. Same this week. One really didn't move, and then the other one, you know, I made money off of it, so I know it did move in my direction. But uh, we'll jump right into that first. We'll go over Ian from Fat Baby Fun. So if you haven't listened to the interview, you can listen to uh, our, my, I guess John was out. So my interview with Fat Baby Funds, it was really good conversation. He's really a you know, pretty bright guy. We'll go over his buy-sell and buy-and-sell picks. And um, I've already looked at them. They're decent. I think he was one out of two. Um, but I want to mention here, a separate from the buy-sell, he doesn't really trade those low-price stocks. He's, you know, trade $100, $200 share and stuff. He gave some picks on the show, and they all hit. He, he said buy Etsy, and it went up crazy when Shopify went up, and probably will go up more this week. I think Etsy's earnings are Thursday. They'll go up more on their earnings. He, um, he likes Shopify, but it's $1,000 a share, so he said buy Etsy, stay away from Shopify because of the price of the share. You basically get the same, same thing with Etsy. However, it's cheaper, so you get more. Um, but Shopify went up, Etsy went up. And then the main one he said is Facebook, it skyrocketed. I think Facebook's up 7.5% from their earnings. And the reason I think he can get these picks right is he works in finance, so he's really good at reading companies' finances. And he says Facebook's finances are outrageously good. And then um, he said Pinterest, and I think it went up $8 on, like, Friday. So he had three picks that were really, really good outside of the buy-sell pick. He should have picked Pinterest for his pick for this game. But um, we'll go in his picks first. His buy pick was MGM. They reported earnings last week. They reported 91% revenue loss. I actually had a put there, made uh, no money, lost no money. It was pretty much even. It went – I would have made like $10 or something, but I kept it because that's not enough, and it kind of went back up. But it opened Monday at $15.76. It's closed Friday at $16.09. So he, he got it right. That's um, $0.20, $0.33 increase. So for Fabio Fund's buy pick, it was a $0.33 cent increase on the week. For his sell pick, it was Amhazer Am Amhazer Bush or Bud. It opened at 54.23 and it closed at 54.43, so it actually went up 20 cents. So you, he would have got no point there. So both of his went up. Um, we'll go to John's picks next. John's buy pick was UUP, which is part of the U.S. dollar, right? It's the ETF for the U.S. dollar. Yeah. So, you know, me and him wasn't sure what that was on the show. I had to look it up on the show, but it's an ETF basically playing on the U.S. dollar. The Fed's supposed to release a stimulus package. Thus, everyone knows the U.S. dollar kind of gets devalued, so people were kind of playing that. Um, I don't think the Fed's actually released their stimulus package. I think they just kind of talked about it a little bit. I still think it didn't get released. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I feel like I never saw an actual this is what we're doing. But UUP opened on Monday at $25.33 and closed on Friday at $25.28. So it went down $0.05, cents, so no point there because um, that's a buy stock. John sell stock was XLF again. It opened on Monday at 24 Well, XLF is just another derivative of S&P 500, right? Basically, no, no it's, the, uh, it's the financial stocks in the S&P 500. Yeah, so it's – 
if the financial stocks in the S&P 500 goes up, this one, this ETF goes up. So it opened on Monday at $24.16, and it closed on Friday at $24.03, so it went down $0.13, cents, which is hardly none. John's going to get a point here and close the gap on barely any movement, just solely because it did move. Um, and then my picks, I picked Uber, which didn't have as much movement as I thought. I still like Uber for this week, actually. Um, Uber opened on Monday at $31.21. It closed on Friday at $30.26. So it actually went down almost a dollar. Um, so no point there. I still like Uber for this week, though. do like Uber for this week. I obviously will pick something else for the competition, but I do like Uber. And then the other pick for myself pick was SBXY, which means when volatility goes up, this one goes down. Um, it opened on Monday at $33.20, and it closed on Friday at $33.94, so it went up, so no point there. And this is what I was talking about on the going up Friday because it literally basically – at one point last week, it was at 20, um, UVXY was at $27 and something. It closed kind of at 25 and I made money. I had a call in UVXY and I had a put in SVXY. And I, I think I made 70 bucks on the combined, 70 or 80 bucks profit on both of those combined. So I know I, I knew I made money on SVXY, which means it had to go down, but um, it went up, so no point. So the score is now six to six. So it's going to get real interesting, John. I thought I had it in the bag, and that kind of you scraped back on, you know, a few cents here and there. But it, the score is six to six. It's a new competition, zero to zero, basically. And we'll see how it goes. We got like four more picks, weeks of picks, I think. Um, but with that, let's move to this week's picks. John, what's your buy pick for this week? My buy pick. Um... I think we're – see, I didn't – yeah, I didn't pick it. So, um, we're going to go with uh, natural gas, UNG, for my buy. UNG. So, John's playing it safe. He's picking one that he knows will go up some and hoping mine doesn't go up, basically. Because if mine goes up, I'm going to kill you on this one. <laughs> um, my buy pick for this week is um, Penn National. I haven't used it yet, even though I could have used it many times and won. My pick for this week is Penn National. Their earnings is on Thursday. Um, I think they'll get a, a pretty good earnings play. And I really, I like them because they did go up last week a bunch. They went from like 32 or 33 up to like 37, almost 38 really. Um, they went up so much for really no reason other, I, I guess, I don't even know what the reason, I guess it was because sports started up. Um, Actually, I have a pretty big position of just shares in PIN. I bought two puts in PIN because I felt like it went up for no reason. Um, and I made $130 on the puts. And the way I had it set up was basically if PIN went up, I was making money. But if PIN went down, I was making even more money. So and it, on Friday, it went down to like $33. I think it closed at 34 So we're around the 34 area. My only worry is a gap up in the morning because of the earnings come up. That would be my only concern is if it gaps up in the morning and starts higher than where it's at currently. I want it to start at the 34. Um, comparing it to MGM, which is a similar company, it's something more casinos, I do not expect Penn's earnings to be good. I expect very bad earnings from Penn because casinos have been closed. They do have the barstool revenue, which is probably nothing compared to the casinos, even though to a regular person, barstool makes a lot of money, but compared to their whole business, not really. So I look for Penn's earnings to be bad, but Penn has their sports gambling app coming out in quarter three, and most people think it will be before football season because if you use any intelligence at all, why would you – you have an app ready, why wouldn't you start it? Why would you start it mid-season? So people's expecting before football season, which is in a couple of weeks. Um, so I think a lot of their Q3 outlook will be very good, which will neglect their really bad earnings. That's my prediction for Penn. Um, John, what's your sell pick? My sell pick, um, I'm going to go with SPYG. 
SPYG. So what is the SPYG? Obviously, it's a it's S obviously S it's a bullish on SPY. Uh, yeah. So this is my sell on. So it's the S and P five hundred growth ETF. So all the growth stocks within the ETF. Yeah. Give an example of one of the growth stocks in the S and P five hundred in the S and PYG. So they have it um, on here as. Um, a stock would be like Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Facebook, Google, MasterCard. Adobe. That one actually might go down because there was a handful of those really, really big ones that went up so much because of earnings. So I, it could just go down because normally when there's a spike, it levels off. Apple's doing really good. Facebook's doing really good. But you don't stay at peaks. You always kind of level to something. So either it's going to continue going up or it's going to level off. John's thinking it's going to level a little bit. And that could just be go down 1%. But if you're talking Apple or Amazon, that's a big deal. So yes. Yes. So uh, Microsoft, it holds 10% position in Microsoft and almost a 10% position in Apple. So it's, it's my way to my way to pick Apple, Amazon, and Microsoft at a very cheaper price because it's a forty-eight dollar per share uh, ETF. You want me to tell you one thing that could derail this pick, and I don't know the validity of it. I literally saw one article headline and did not click on it. Uh -oh. I think Microsoft is trying to buy TikTok. Interesting. If Microsoft buys TikTok, Microsoft is going up. Uh, so, <laughs> but obviously the deal wouldn't go through this next week but if it comes out that they're like seriously trying to buy TikTok it could make them go up because they've yeah. been doing very very well my sales stock is on um, UPRO which is basically kind of similar outlook um, the stock market going down and the only reason I'm picking this is because of the jump on Friday was so high so I think I'll get a good opening on Monday I think the price I'll get on Monday will be pretty high that even if the stock market has a decent week, it could be down. <laughs> because I think it's almost at $53, which I have not seen. Since I've been playing UPRO, I haven't once got onto my actual portfolio and UPRO be $53. I think it's in $52.90 or something. I might even put, I'm, I'll probably put uh, buy a put in UPRO in the morning. That's how high I think it is. And because of the spike, I think there's a lot of money. I think there's money to be made on a UPRO put. So that's what I'm looking to get into in the morning. I don't know what else I'll be getting into this week. I don't have any option positions right now. Actually, on Friday, I didn't really know what things were going. So I went a safer route and I kind of took the capital and spread out into it, buying shares of some different companies that I thought were really, really low where it sinks. And obviously I won't make that much money, but out of, you know, the three or four different companies I'm, I have, I think I could make 20 bucks or something. It was just a safe place to store where it's not sitting on the sidelines, but I didn't like where prices were to buy options going in the weekend and everything was super low and it spiked. So the things went up. I think I actually made, I think Delta went up like 40 cents or something. I have a few shares of that. So Make a little money there, but I'm looking to put you pro in the morning. That's the real goal. John, you got anything else for the show before we get out of here? No, I just think uh, take a look at volatility, the U.S. dollar, and watch as risk, I believe, is starting to come on. So really pay attention. Uh, don't get FOMO in the um, gold. Uh, let it correct a little bit before you get in there to establish a position because I know a lot of people are looking at gold right now. You'll run in, you'll get your ass beat it down, and then you'll get out of it, and then it'll rise. You'll buy at the exact wrong time. Yeah, it's, a bit. It, yeah, it had way too big a day on Wednesday or whatever day it was. Like even you know, really educated analysts are saying, do not buy gold right now, like because you can get a better price. It's not that they're saying. We're not saying that gold isn't a good buy because almost always gold is a decent to have. Even if you're not trying to make money, just to hold your money, having something in gold. My dad always says buy gold coins and put in the safe. So buy, you know, however small gold coins they are. 
I think you can buy, I think you can buy a little, I don't know how much they weigh for like 200 bucks or something. He, he was like, every once in a while, just buy one of them and stick in your safe for hard times. But that's an older school way of looking at it. I guess you can buy stocks and gold, but it's too high right now and it will go down. Um, John, I just logged into my brokerage account. This is the very first article that they had. Microsoft confirms talks about buying TikTok. Damn. The very first one. Microsoft confirmed it. When I looked earlier, it was a rumor of Microsoft was buying TikTok, and that was like an hour and a half ago. Now it's Microsoft confirms. So we'll see. That's TikTok's interesting because the government was about to shut it down because of the China thing, and now Microsoft's talking about buying it, and it's got a lot of food others. Basically, it's a bunch of 15 year old, 14 year olds who have danced around and basically show no talents and makes about a million times more money than we do, John. So we need to start dancing not even good, just like kind of dancing, and then we might make some money. It's not even good dancing, really. Yeah, but, been, um, I've, seen a few things on, I've seen a few things on there. The, the best thing on TikTok is the comedy. They got some really good comedians on there, but the rest of it, eh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not into it. I haven't looked at it at all. Um, but with that, if you're not following us yet on Twitter, we can be found at Swingin' so be sure to follow us there. Be sure to listen to our recent episodes with different um, the different interviews. Check out the Pivotal Trading Podcast, where me and John um, came and showed out a little bit for the Just Swingin' It podcast. I had some more fun with those guys, but... Um, We'll see y'all Thursday. Have a good week trading. And Thursday, we'll bring you an update on how our futures our futures um, challenge is going on Thursday. They, that would have gave us, you know, five days or so at least of trading. Right now, I mean, we haven't, we could update, but not, it's not really even worth anything. But we'll see y'all Thursday. Have a good week trading. John, play the music. We're out.